Hey there, I'm Michelle Sherrier, and this is the Retail Whore Podcast. Stories and lessons from the life in retail. Hey everybody, it's Michelle. Welcome to the Retail Whore Podcast. Today is Wednesday, which means a brand new episode of the Retail Whore Podcast. Um, Today's a special one. I um, have not interviewed any of my clients as of yet. So today is my very first client interview. I'm actually fresh off her store. We reset it for fall. Um, Andrea Leslie owns a store um, up north called Masson A. It's this tiny little gem of a store that she sells gifts and apparel and i am super excited to bring her episode today so without further ado here is andrea from masson a hi andrea how are you Good. How are you? Thank you. Welcome to the Retail Horror Podcast. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. No problem. Happy to be here and participate. I'm so happy. So a little backstory so everyone knows. Um, Andrea is my client. Her store is Masson A. Um, you contacted me. It was the, it's the craziest story because I still tell this and people are like, what? Like, we literally have been in shut full pandemic shutdown for what was like two, like maybe a month and a half into it. And you reached out to me on Instagram and you were like, Hey, just wondering if you're t- taking off <laughs> any new clients. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, we're in full shutdown. Yeah. I'm taking off new clients. Why not? <laughs> and so, like we literally pre-planned because I didn't come see you until it's right about now. It's been a full year. So I didn't come like we planned stuff for like, I want to say like three months. And then I flew out, we met on zoom, flew out, walked the store, worked with you like total sight unseen other than a walk through your store. So I'm super excited. This is my first client interview. Okay. So I know more about you and the store. So it's going to be really interesting for me to be like dialing it back and not mention, not <laughs> talking and letting you explain. Cause it's like, I know so much. Yes. It was so funny. Cause I met you. Yeah. Yeah. We did the zoom and then you saw my master Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> oh my God. So organized, crazy, which we're going to get into in a, little, in a couple of seconds. So I ask everybody the first question is always, um, what was your first job and how old were you? Yeah, so first job was actually babysitting at the age of 13, oh my uh, but God. my first job in retail, it's going to take you back, Miller's Outpost. Oh my God, that is crazy. That <laughs> so is hilarious. 15 with the work permit. <laughs> what were you doing for Miller's Outpost? Uh, folding the denim. Oh my God. The walls of denim. <laughs> <laughs> now, were you folding and sizing at the same time or yes. you folding? Oh. Yes, folding and sizing. It's so funny because Damon, who was my old partner at SweetXO, and he was operations for Miller's Outpost. Oh, how funny. So it seems, <laughs> seems appropriate now. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business, Masane. Yeah. So um, it's interesting. So I've always loved retail. Uh, even I remember some of my favorite pastimes as a child was you know, making a store in my room and letting the adding machine, like just go to town. 
that's amazing. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to logic with the paper printer, you know, everything. Um, and so when I was thinking about it, you know, pre- prepping for this one, I was thinking, you know, what are some of my favorite gifts as a from a um, the pastimes? And I would say it's my adding machine <laughs> and the slot machine that my grandma gave me. <laughs> I don't know what they have in common, but those are my two favorite gifts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then just in terms of like, I don't know, my my dream was always to have a shop. I have a very different kind of style. I don't like the same things that everyone else has. Or if I get something that's mainstream, I always try to like personalize it um, to make it different and more unique. And I think that same approach is just reflected in what I do, my home my wardrobe that you know maison a um how did maison a start so it's actually it's funny story i would i started collecting pieces for what one day would become my shop like i remember how many pieces little pieces um vintage doors from a barn okay um random curated just like an antique piece. It was, it's so versatile. It was crazy. And so I would just keep putting things in the garage for what one day would become my shop, etc. And I remember one day I brought in these vintage barn doors and Tom, I fancy goes, Oh my God, is this shop ever going to evolve? <laughs> or are you just going to take over the bay of the garage? And so that's just how it started. And I knew, you know, um, being in tech and how it was somewhat cyclical, I wanted to to do a store for if I ever gotten laid off or whatnot, and I'd have it going. Then one day I was happening to drive by uh, through downtown Morgan Hill, which retail space or any space really hardly became available. And so I was driving through one day and I see uh, painted on the window in fluorescent green for lease. I thought, oh my God, did I see that right? So I flipped the car around, not even aware of my surroundings. God only knows what people must have thought. And I said, I have to go back and see. Did I see that right? Flip the car around, drive by. Sure enough, yep, it said for lease. Oh my God, awesome. So I call the number and talk to the person. And for anyone who would have seen this space when I took it over, it was so, so bad. (laughs) Like, I'll give you an example. It had seven foot ceilings. Couldn't even put a Christmas tree in there without it. <laughs> um, plywood floors, pegboard oh. walls. The HVAC was completely daisy chained, right? So if you can imagine like what my shop was like compared to what it is today. Um, I remember taking my mom through and I was like, mom, come see this space. I'm going to open a store. And she walked in and the first thing she told me was, oh my God, this place? I feel dirty just standing in here. <laughs> so I said, mom, you have to have the vision. She's like, well, clearly you have something that I don't have, <laughs> but we'll see. I said, okay. And then, you know, I would meet with um, various reps for products that I'd want to bring in. And it was interesting because when they first saw this space, the feedback that I would get is, mm, I don't think the product lines, this is the right environment for those. I'm sure they're seeing this place that needed like major renovation. But nevertheless, like worked with my contractor, built out the vision of what I had for it. Um, let the product start coming in, put them out, hired the staff, and there we were. So what was the store before? Uh, well, it had been a number of things, but most recently it was a hobby shop that had 
Oh gosh, I would say a 20 foot slot car track on the full right hand side of the space. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no wonder they went out of business. <laughs> yes. How would much I, time was your reno for? I think renovation probably took about a quarter. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I had first asked the landlord, you know, is it possible to raise the ceilings, the 12 foot ceilings or whatnot? They were a little bit skeptical just because I didn't have an established rapport with them. Um, but I, we had a mutual friend who was our architect. And so I asked the architect, hey, can you please talk to them, tell them kind of, you know, our style, what we do and how we build things out. Um, and so he talked to them and then they said, okay, sure. No problem. Then the landlords were, you know, so, so happy with how things went. Oh, no doubt. I mean, it's so beautiful. I can't, you, you've told me what the store like before, and it's like, it's hard to stand in there and, and understand what it looked like before. Storage. Yeah. I can only imagine your reps though, standing there looking at it going, um, cause I, I've had that with apparel lines. Like when I buy for Burt's pharmacy, it's like a super cute, pretty established line. And they're like, yeah, I don't think a pharmacy is really what, you know, we're not, it's not appropriate for a pharmacy. Yes. All right. Well, apparel is the number one selling thing just to let you know, but oh, I get, and now it's like, I actually, now I walk in and it's less now about me. And now I'm like, I don't even know if you want to sell to me. We're a pharmacy. I'm just going to be super upfront. I mean, we're a pharmacy that does a lot of business, but I get that you may not want to be in a pharmacy. And now I don't have the problems, but man, like I can only imagine coming in to see the store. Old way of like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't really feel like us. I'm all, hey, let's meet on the card table. <laughs> Please show me your fabulous product. <laughs> So I know, okay, I've always said this, like from the moment I met you and you started telling me more and more about what you do and your other side hustles. So Masani is a side hustle, like it's straight up. You have a very full-time job Mm -hmm. and it's not like just a kind of full-time job, it's major. So tell everybody what your main hustle is. Yeah. So being in Silicon Valley, um, I do HR, so human resources for tech companies. And you have plants in China and Mexico? Um, so in my existing role now, so we have um, four manufacturing plants throughout the US and then also in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And you are... <laughs> doing this for because I you know I know when I'm done set up you're like oh well I've got calls at 3 a.m and then 4 a.m and then you you have your normal hour calls and then you'll come into the shop after that and still mm-hmm. spend like after I've gone I know you stand on till like seven o'clock at night mm-hmm. how in the hell do you do that <laughs> It's always been my question, but now I'm going to ask you as we're recording, how do you do that? So um, I I guess the best way to just put it, I'm a total planner, right? Um, But I also, I love what I do. So I'm the type that I love to build things, whether it's a business, you know, high growth company, teams, or people, right? And so I think I just get my passion and energy from doing what I do, right? I, I always love a challenge. Um, but at the same time, I just have to be 
super, super organized and planning. So when I, you know, and I think about it, I plan for the year, the quarter, the month, the week, the day, sometimes the hour, right? But I always am planning for the unknown as well as with anything, you know, especially since I'm juggling things that are complete opposite worlds, so to say, right? Um, I just have to be super, super organized. So do you have like, a planning schedule for Masane and then a planning, obviously for your main hustle. Um, do you, do you have two separate calendars, two separate to-do lists? Two se- I mean, how, what does that look like on paper? Yes. Yeah. So I have completely different um, schedules and calendars. And then if there's times note um, that I'll block things off, but I try to keep it very, very separate <clears throat> and, um, and just struggle between them so that things don't get muddied. You know, up until I'd say a couple of years ago, right? I also had the restaurants that were in there. Yeah. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> this is, like, this is like where you see my mouth just drop open. Like you also had a restaurant. <laughs> so talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, it's interesting. I would say for the past, gosh, what is it? Past. Um, no, there was a 13 year time period there in which I also had. <clears throat> the restaurants, uh, two different restaurants. And so, you know, any given time, for the majority of that time, I had all three. I have my regular job in, I call it my regular job, right? But I have my primary job and that was always in tech. And then I'd have my side hustle, which was Maison A. And then I also had another side hustle, which would have been the restaurant, right? I didn't realize all three of them were going at the same time. Yes. Wow. Yes. <clears throat> and, I, and one of the restaurants that I had at the time was a wing stop, right? I had a high volume wing stop location in San Jose. And and it's when it brings up those hours there are until midnight every day, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, and it's just my style. I I can't sit still. I'm always busy, but then I'm also always checking in and like proactive what's going on. So there could be times in which I may be hitting all three locations in one day, just doing like pulse checks of what's going on. But I also like really embrace and empower the staff that I have, right? Because there's no way I could do this all by myself. Yeah. So, you know, you have to embrace that and, and sometimes like let things go. So, okay, that that that's a really valid and big point that I want to go back and kind of unpack a little bit mm-hmm. is about embracing your staff and giving them power. Because I think, and I've said this before in other interviews, I think that people think that they can do it best themselves. And it's mm-hmm. very hard to let go of control. And it's almost, it it works against you in so many different ways. So talk a little bit about what that looks like, what empowering an employee looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, <clears throat> so it's important to know that one of the philosophies that I live by, right, is to train or provide people with opportunities so they could go anywhere, but you treat them so that they never want to leave. And I think, you know, I think that's really powerful, but it's also like how I embrace everything. So, you know, there may be people out there that have a better idea of how something can be done or more efficient because they're working in that environment every day than what I may see, right? And so I always think if you have a more collaborative approach, right, people are more one engaged in what they do. 
It provides a better experience for the employees and your customers, right? Because in any business, there's two common denominators. There's people and experience, right? Without a customer, I don't care what business it is, the lights don't go on, right? They're paying the bills to keep things going. So I always try to say, you know, tell people, hey, if you have another idea, I'm always open to suggestions. Hey, I'm maybe I'm stumped over here. Can you please help? What do you think of this? I just want another, you know, second set of eyes or an opinion, right? It's okay to ask for help. That's, I, I mean, you know, you are, you, like I've said before, you are one of those people that you, I think the reason why your, your success in being able to juggle so much, I think, obviously has everything to do with that empowerment. And, and I, I know Simon Sinek says it, and I know that a lot of people say, you know, it's about giving people the power and making them feel important and needed. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's so many, I mean, you've heard me conversations about people. I know that it's like, I, it's not shocking that they are down people. It's not shocking. They have a high turnover. And I, I think that if more people took that approach and understood what it was like to empower an employee, how much more that's going to enable them to grow as well as the employee to grow. Cause I think that, that key of giving them tools to go wherever from there, whether they stay with you forever or whether they go on the next job is giving them enough tools. And that's, to watch it from afar is really amazing. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you that because, and I haven't seen any of your other businesses, but it, to, I've seen the one, but to know what you do out there, obviously you're doing something right because there's no way all these balls can be in the air without a nervous breakdown <laughs> <laughs> or without something falling. I mean, to be honest, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we have to remember there's a war for talent, right? Everyone is competing for talent there's always going to be someone who can pay more. There's always someone who can pay less, right? Yeah. And so when you look at maybe, it doesn't matter the business it is, the role, et cetera. So if you keep that in mind, and it's people want to feel like they're adding value, right, to anything that they do. And so if they feel like, hey, you know what, this person respects me as a person, they appreciate the contribution that I bring to the table, right? Yeah, maybe I could be making a few more bucks here or there, but at the end of the day, it really comes down to where do they want to spend their time? Yeah. I yeah. think that's, I think that's, and that's huge. How, so, you know, just as an HR question, mm-hmm. what is, what are one of the biggest challenges you have with, when you had all three balls in there, but what are one of the biggest challenges that you had then as far as employees and how, how would you handle that situation? Yeah, I would say, um, I think the best piece of advice you can give someone is to communicate, right? Communicate expectations, communicate anything that may impact the business positively, negatively, or or unknown, right? Just communicate as frequent as possible. It doesn't have to be long drawn out things, but just making sure that everyone's rowing in the same direction, right? Amen. (laughs) I think um, that alleviates a lot of the problems because people at least know, hey, we know what's going on. We know what to expect. Hey, we better plan accordingly to make our lives easier as well, right? So for example, if it was times, let's say at the restaurant and I would be planning for Super Bowl, Super Bowl planning would take place a month before the actual event, right? Just to make sure it was so streamlined. 
If you look at the shot, let's say Christmas, Amazon A, you know, um, before when we didn't have as many of the logistics um, hurdles that we have today, but you know, that product would come in in December and July. So then it was priced, quality checked, themed, organized well in advance. So then when it made time for Christmas, it was so much easier for all of this setup, right? Yeah. Um, even when with my HR job, you know, there I look at it and it's like, I always tell people, communicate, right? Make sure everyone knows one, what the expectations are and two, how they're contributing to the organization. So it's not just communicating the, the quote orders of the day. It's also, I need you because this is why you're important to this project. Yes. And this is what, do you also lay out the expectations at that point too? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I would say, this is what I expect. And we look at it like, you know, a calendar at a glance, right? So I'll always have that going for anything. And I share it. It's very open. The calendar's there. And I say, if there's anything that comes up, please put things on here, right? We're all working off the same calendar. Um, and it provides more visibility as well. Everyone's planning ahead for those types of activities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it couldn't be further apart, but they may all be busy. Like it's inevitable. Q4 for all of them is always the busiest time. Yeah, I can imagine. How many mm-hmm. people are on a shared calendar? Um, it can be anywhere from minimum of three. Minimum of three up to like 10. Wow, I can imagine it's a lot. That's a lot of balls. <laughs> and then I have them, you know, linking. But then I try to keep them as separate as possible. I um, the communication thing for me is like the one thing that will literally leave me banging my head on the counter. Is like where you know, because I'm like an over communicator. Like because mm-hmm. I have so many balls in the air and I have so many different projects. It's always like just want to make sure we're all going in the same direction. You know, I'll be here. Blah. It's when there's no communication and then you get to a location. It's like, what happened? Well, we did X, Y, and Z. And it was like, was anyone going to loop me into <laughs> the conversation? Cause now I'm completely lost about where we're at, mm-hmm. but it, it's, that's always like emails, texts, just let me know you got the email. Got it. Thanks so much. I don't need, you know, a long diatribe response, yeah. but just communicate. Like it is, I it literally, that's the one where, and that must come from anthropology because it's so communication heavy, both with reports and whatnot. But that is, I think like the key to successful business or an unsuccessful business is how much you're communicating with, with, with each other. Yeah. I said, I'm a text away. Right. But I also think it's important. Like when you're communicating, communicate the good, the bad or things for areas of improvement. Right. So that everyone sees. So I have no problem saying, Hey, you know what? Um, this was like the best month ever. Let's reflect. What did we do? You know, and I'll always compensate too, because I, I think that it kind of goes hand in hand, right? I tend to be more like overly generous. Sometimes that, that's a feedback that I get, but it's just my style, right? But even if there's areas where let's say we're not trending so much in the right direction or we're starting to see gaps, right? Hey, let's talk about this, you know, and brainstorm. What could the reasoning be? Are there any, is there anything we can do to improve, Right. And so um, just having that open communication. I love that. Yeah. I, I think it's also, it's not somebody saying, look what happened, what, you know, you leave it as a question, like how, how do you think we can make this better as opposed mm-hmm. to like, you know, I, I've worked for companies where it's like, you know, we didn't hit the number and it's all about like what we did. And there's no conversation about 
why do you think we, it didn't happen? It was mm-hmm. it's just like late, like you just are literally dropped in your lap about like how you missed the mark and you know, this is what went wrong and there's no conversation. Yeah. At all. And it, it, and I think that's hard for the employees too, because you're just like standing there slack jawed, like, <laughs> I don't even know what to say because mm-hmm. obviously we're, we're not going to talk about it, So I, I always have, you know, I usually start with, why it's a three letter word, but it's one that like, it can kind of get going down a rat's hole too. Right. But uh, why, like, why is it like this? Or why did that happen? You know, if I just start with one simple word and the question it's why it's such a powerful word, right? Because there's so much information that can come out of just asking the simple why. Yeah. Right. And then I think one other point is just, um, you know, there's many different work styles, right? And so what I found is that like I can pivot on a dime, right? But I know that that work style isn't the same for everyone, right? Some people, they really need to finish this project or they're perfectionist or whatnot, right? Before they move on to something else or someone else may work great in a very scattered environment, right? That's their personal preference and working style, so I, I know that there's many different types and it's not a one size fits all. But what I try to tell people is, you know, sometimes we can't work on a project and completely finish it from start to finish. So we have to leave it where it's, make sure it's good enough, right? Leave it. We come back to it in an hour, a day, a week, maybe three weeks, right? That's okay. Wow. That's great. I, I, no. I, I don't think a lot of people, you, you're right. Cause there are so many different work styles. I know I'm like all over the place. Like I can do something and I'm doing a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, and I get the ADD thing where I, it's like dog with a sock. You can't, I can't let it go. It's like, <laughs> so yeah. it, it's nice to have, it's always nice to hear somebody that says it's, it's okay. It's good enough. Like let it go here and let's move on to the next. Is that more for efficiency of like keeping it moving or is that more for the person so they know I can stop obsessing about this one thing? It's combo, right? So sometimes you just got to keep things moving. We don't have time necessarily to completely finish this. We'll come back to it because we have other pressing priorities, right? Um, Sometimes it's also just an engagement and interest level. Sometimes when people are only working on one thing and it's just the monotony, it gets boring and they don't do their best work there either, right? And so it's like, okay, let's come back to it with a fresh set of eyes and we'll regroup and pick it up later, right? That's great. That, that's such a great observation for somebody to make and to be able to recognize, okay, I can tell you're getting tunnel vision. It's not, you don't look engaged anymore. You look hyper-focused, like let's walk away from it right now. That's really great to, and refreshing to hear someone say that. Cause I think that most people are, are so caught up in their own thing. It's like, let them do their thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I know I've asked you this before. So because you wear so many different hats, mm-hmm. how, how do you change them? And literally, because the job that you do, your main hustle and the store are two totally different hats. I mean, yes. operationally, there are a lot that are the same, but creativity wise, they're very different. How how do you change hats and how how difficult or easy is that to do? Um, so I guess I would say, I mean, you know, to, to find the balance, like I'm super proactive, right? Um, 
And then I would say, um, super active, very detailed planning, but also planning for the unknown, right? Because at any point in the day, anything can change with either one of those, with either one of the jobs, right? And so the most structure that I can have, the most um, foresight that I can have as well, the better off I am. But it's just being able to plan for the unknown. But even but for like creativity wise, because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I know I asked you this, like, and we'll get down to this a little bit later, but you, I've asked you when you've come in, you're like, oh, I bought this, that, and the other. And I'm like, when are you doing this? And mm-hmm. <laughs> when are you doing this creative process? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that creative process usually takes place late night. <laughs> That is um, what blows my mind. Like you, yeah. I think your quote was, I do this in bed. It's like shopping. And I just am, am going through catalogs and this is what I find relaxing. And I literally, it was like, what? Yes. Yes. So that is um, totally my downtime, right? Where one may look like, I don't know, <clears throat> Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest or whatever it may be, Clubhouse, right? And different things. I'm working towards a shop. So it's like, I'm still maximizing the time that I have, but part of it, it's just this comforting. I find it peaceful. I'm, I'm sure I'm weird. A little. <laughs> I just, I find it peaceful. when I sit there and I'll, I'll look at different things. I flag it. Um, sometimes that's when I'll put through an order because I just have time and I'm really focused on something. Um, then there's times where I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, hmm, did I dream that? Or did I actually do that? <laughs> so I go back and look at, okay, yep, I did it. Or, oh, it's in my cart. I need to process that. So are you, is everything you're doing at this point at night, is it um, online or mm-hmm. are you going through physical catalogs? Both. So um, usually I'll have like a glance through a catalog and I'll just dog ear different things. And then I'll go on because I've found that many of the vendors, they have different things online than they have in the catalog. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes I was finding it's like online exclusive or, you know, maybe I'll look for something and it's sold out that was in the catalog. So I've got to supplement it with something else from either that same line or a different line. Right. But to keep that common theme. Yeah, I, the last thing I want to do when I sit in bed is go through catalogs. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> like, the idea of that, I, I, because as it is right now, if I go to sleep and I wake up, like, so I'm working on the Grand Canyon project, mm-hmm. and I'm finding myself already. I haven't even done my original walkthrough yet, and I'm already finding myself at two o'clock in the morning. I'm awake, and now I'm thinking about walkthroughs and displays of a, a place I've never even seen. I think I'd be so freaked out if I started doing that. Like I would literally never, I wouldn't, I feel like I'd never turn off, but that mm-hmm. is relaxing to you. It is. Cause I think it was, you know, my primary hustle, right. I'm on the phone so much on the zoom meetings, interacting, getting things out that it's like, um, I mean, that job I'm moving all day long with just different things. So when I'm actually sitting there and I just have time to like decompress and I'm just visually, you know, sourcing or just looking at different things for me that it's, it's calming. Okay. That makes that I can understand that, especially because it's, it's literally two different brains that you're totally. working. And I, yeah. I, and that's always was, I, I was always just 
I mean, I'm still just amazed by that. <laughs> kind of the left brain, right brain, right? Rather than sit like on Pinterest and just browse, you know, aimlessly here. It's like, I'm browsing with the purpose. I like that. Yeah. Browsing with the purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so tell me how Masane has changed over the years from when you opened up and tell me about some of the lines that you carried to where you are today and some of the lines and, and the style and the products that you're carrying now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say Masane has definitely evolved. Um, we've matured, right? In terms of both um, just the product offering and categories in which we're selling to the various you know, levels of quality and products. When I started this store, um, first, there was you know, nothing around, right? I would say that the close, if we you needed to buy a gift, you'd have to go about 45 minutes without traffic to buy something. Wow. Right? Like a good gift if you wanted to go to a mall, let's say, right? And so it's like, there has to be something better. So I was originally filling a, a gap, like filling a need, you know? At the same time, I wanted to make sure that there was something for everyone from a price point. Because I think the worst thing you can do is someone comes in and they feel like, oh God, I can't afford to buy anything in here, Yeah. right? So you can still give a beautiful environment, experience, atmosphere, and what takes the cake is, oh my God, and the prices are totally affordable, right? Um, So I always have focused on that. And I would say uh, apparel being the latest category, as you know, that we're deeply investing in, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So it just keeps broadening it out. Initially, when I started, it was a lot more like home decor kind of things and maybe like accessory pieces. Um, What were some of the lines that you carried um, then? One line that I've always carried from my candle is Rosie Rings Mm -hmm. from the Inception. Um, I think I had done like a lot of the Creative Co-op was a big brand that I I love their style. and Yeah, um, there was some for Raz. What else? Um, yeah, then the baby lines, what was I carrying at the time? And Joseph or, um, I don't even know, like little me or whatnot. But then, um, over time, you know, I've added like the Annie Sloan chalk paint, which, which is, I, you, I mean, that you said that's kind of what carried you through COVID that, that, that was the a huge part. Oh my gosh, totally. Because people are home, you know, um, they're tired of looking at their space. They want to change something. I don't think you should always have to go out and buy new. Throwing on a, a you know color makes a huge yeah. difference to a piece. So during COVID, my oh my goodness, we were shuttling paint, <laughs> you know, all the time. It could be from Salinas all the way up to Palo Alto, for example, right? Wow. So, yeah, and just and it, again, it goes back to the customer experience. So when the person calls, you know, I would have my primary hustle all day, and I would say, okay. If you give me some time, you'll have your product this evening, right? Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I'm going to, let's say, San Jose tomorrow to drop off paint for another customer. Is it okay if I bring it to you then? And you have no idea how many customers, just from the sheer fact that I say, you know, I'll bring it to you this evening. Oh, that customer service is unheard yes. of. I mean, it, and I think that's what put your store so far above others is that one, everybody was shut down. Everyone was like freaked out about mm-hmm. even leaving your house. And you were like, you know, all you were still like literally going the extra, the literal extra mile to, mm-hmm. to bring people something. And I, I, that's a customer experience that you, that's the first I've heard of. I mean, there's very few people that I know of that did that. The girls at Kingfisher road were doing that as well. And mm-hmm. a couple of people, but it's like most people are just, 
shut down and, you know, turn it off, shut down and close the door and we're just going to wait it out. Yeah. No, you know, I would go, the customers would see, I had the mask, the gloves, the product came in a sealed Ziploc bag inside into the you know product in the bag inside a Ziploc bag. So I'm bringing it to them, putting it on the porch or the front gate, texting when it's there. Right. So it's all that contact list just because, you know, this pandemic that we're in. Right. But yeah. then just knowing, Hey, Oh my God, this person brought me the paint. It could be even like eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. I said, don't be spooked. I'm going to come by 9 PM. <laughs> I'm not a porch pirate, but just so you know, and I will text you. And there was like, oh my God, really? You know, that's, that's made. I mean, that, that speaks volumes. I mean, it really, it really does as well as speaks volumes about you you do what you need to do to keep your business going. Yes. Yes. So for your store, so people like, what is the square footage of your store? Um, 1800 square feet. And how much, just so people know, because Annie Sloan, obviously, did you start with Annie Sloan or did that come in later? No, it came in after. So Annie Sloan was an investment. So with the, with the home decor part, that was like a perfect marriage. How Mm -hmm. much square footage, square footage is dedicated to Annie Sloan? Um, oh gosh. Don't ask me because I work on this. Yeah. I was thinking, what do you think? Like maybe 200 square feet? 200 max, I'd say. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's, I've, I've, there's a store up here that I'm like, I really think you should look into doing it because it's just, I know it's a major investment, but it's just, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just one of those things where it works perfectly with home merchandise Mm -hmm. and, you know, home decor. And and I just, it's such a great line. So I love hearing the story of you driving around Annie Sloan. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an investment, right? So it's one that like, I knew that I wanted to do but I couldn't afford to do it up front, you know? And so it was like, literally I would get a bonus from my primary hustle and then, okay, I'm going to reinvest it back into the business. Right. And so that's when I did um, the Annie Sloan. That's great. I, um, how, so when you first start doing Annie Sloan, not, and this is totally not even on the questions, mm-hmm. how do, do they come out and do the training or, you know, they just kind of send you your, massive package and here's all the how to's or oh no so it's a it's a process so one you have to qualify in order to carry any sloan so um you know being a premium brand and they want to make sure that it stays very boutique they don't want it in the big box stores right so you would submit an application um go through this process you'd actually have like an interview with the um, people they want to know about your shop they want pictures of your store, how you would plan on carrying it, um, how you would plan continuing education for it. Also, what would you be doing for customers, right? So that um, the questions were a lot about that. And then if they were selected to carry it, then you would go out to New Orleans for a week-long training. Wow. Yes. That's you pay for everything. It's on your dime. Of course you do. <laughs> So uh, at a minimum, it would be like the store owner or, you know, and or someone else they want to bring. So you go through and they did a fabulous job with the different trainings, um, the techniques, things of that nature. Um, you, you know, you have to carry all of the colors, which you'd want anyway. But there's also like fabrics, fabrics in my shop. It didn't make sense. 
Yeah. You know, so I didn't do that one. Um, luckily, now they're coming out with like wall paint, which is super exciting, right? Um, they just announced that, but it's keeping making sure you have all the product. I go to their um, learning sessions that they have throughout the country. Wow. Is up to date? She has a lot of tutorials. Um, we also do um, classes for customers as well. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I had no idea. Do you do that in the store or do you in do the store? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So do you, is that how the, the little pink table is that? Was that one of the lessons? The pink table that's in the we store? Did, that's one that we did. We showed them. Yeah, this is how you can do it. And here's three different techniques. Because it's going to be brown. How many people show up at the classes? Usually um, we'll do six to eight people depending on what we're teaching, just so that there's enough spaces with all the product that I have. It's hard too, right? Yeah. I want to put them like out back. So we'll do, you know, a session on, let's say a Sunday from one to three and offer, um, you know, snacks. This is before the COVID, you know, pre-COVID or whatnot, but people would come for snacks. We would do a training on like three to five different techniques and then they would get a discount for anything that they bought in store. Wow, I'm learning something completely new right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how often do you do? I mean, because all I can think of in the back of my head is what an amazing way to drive traffic into your store, not only for the paint, because now they're in their store and now there's all this other great stuff to add to their home. How mm-hmm. often do you do these events? We were doing them quarterly. Okay. How, when was the last one you did pre-COVID? Yes, pre-COVID. Do yeah. you have any plans to do one coming up? We have a lot of demand for it. So now it's just working in terms of the time and the space. The shop is pretty full. <laughs> what about renting a space? Like, you know, going renting like an empty, you know, an empty storefront or something like that and having mm-hmm. it almost like a, a um, not conference, but like, you know, a whole event where it's a whole afternoon. You can have like a hundred people and you're up on a stage with a microphone and yeah, we could totally do that. We um we were trying with a wreath making class, um you know last year and having them so just out in, in an open space. Um, it's still covered. It's just that the, it still wasn't the right timing. People weren't comfortable coming out. Yeah. So we'll see how things go now. And then whenever we try to do something, we make it so what they're working on is something functional. So we'll do a technique, and then uh, maybe they're making like a lazy susan or something they can use or gift. How fun. God, I've always sent all these ideas like you should buy unfinished something and then have a whole crafting class of like all these people are doing, you know, a lazy Susan and mm-hmm. you take your lazy Susan with you. You've learned something I'm like, oh, my gosh, so many options. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that so off, off, off topic. I mean, it's not off topic. But it's like that wasn't in your questions. <laughs> So, you know, the barn, Michelle, yeah. <laughs> that's one of the things. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's a whole other set of subjects. <laughs> um, so I've always said this and I, you know, I'm very open on Instagram on stories like your store. Part of the beautiful thing about working at your store and I enjoy so much is a, you have all the props and uh-huh. risers. And I don't mean the shitty plastic risers that I hate. I, you have, you have all the props and trays and crates and these beautiful things to merchandise with for architecture, as well as all of the flowers, plants, like apple twigs, whatnot. Like you, you are one of the most dialed in buyers I've literally worked for. And I've worked for everybody. And, and one of the things I've always said that 
was so, when I saw your spreadsheets and you sent them to me for holiday, I mean, (laughs) I mean, just the organization of that alone was like, I mean, I honestly have never worked with somebody and it's like, there's, this is like pure praise because I've never worked with somebody that was that organized that sent me spreadsheets and they weren't like, your buys aren't all over the board. They are so dialed in both in color and theme and the props that go with them to the foods that you bought with. I mean, it is, it truly is as a merchandiser, it truly is such a joy to be able to work in that environment. Like have your buys always been that dialed in or is that kind of evolved as you've gone along? I'm sure it's evolved over time, but to be honest, yes, I've pretty much always been that directional. Do you, do you, because the other thing too, is like, you know, even, and I even fall into this with Bert's is that, you know, I'll, I'll curate little concepts and mm-hmm. we'll have like four or five concepts. And sometimes like I've now started to kind of dial back some things and, and make it less stuff and more important, not bigger, but more important pieces where it's not like you've all these little things that may go with the concept. Mm-hmm. I've t- kind of taken away all of that. Like your buys are very like that there because you, you're not all over the board and you, it's like, do you have a limit of skew say, you know, for like your holiday that's coming up? I know we're doing one that's like a bakery theme. Like, do you have a, an amount of skews in your head? Like, I don't want to go over this many skews, or is it just kind of happen naturally? I think it happens naturally, but then I also look at the budget. So I'll say, okay, if I'm going to spend X amount on holiday, right? And I need to cover and I map out in my mind, okay, what parts of the store I'm going to cover, right? And then how can I maximize that theme? but also stay within the financial budget that I'm looking at, right? And then um, so in the Excel, you'll see where the different work tabs are for different lines, right? And so then I'm like, okay, I'll park on this line <laughs> and it's going to go back in this theme, right? So just by kind of building out already on, on paper how and think where things will go placement-wise in the store at a very, very high level, it helps me kind of gauge, okay, what should I be buying? What do I have that I can blend in? Do you print out everything and work on one big storyboard or are you just able to flip back and forth in between a spreadsheet? Because I, I have to see everything in front of me. I can't, that's why I can't deal with PDF catalogs because it's too much back and forth. Like, do you print it out or do you, are you able to flip? I'm all digital. Okay. Wow. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you ever forget about something that you bought? <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. And that's why I think, thank God for the Excel. I know if I told some people, they'd be like, oh my God, you're nuts. Right. But that's where it's like, I'll kind of go back and say, okay, in this Excel, let me go through. That's why if you notice everything has a picture, right? Yeah. I mean, it I mean, takes me a boatload of time. It's significant time to put uh, that together. No doubt. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it is Let's put it this way. What you're doing is an essentially what a buyer, that that's all they do as a job. They don't go to another job. They don't go to the store. They don't. I mean, they literally sit at a desk and build spreadsheets for apparel concepts, gift concepts that they're buying. And you are doing this as a side 
Mm-hmm. So when are you building these spreadsheets? So I'll build the spreadsheet sometimes um, before I submit the order. So I'll kind of put everything together and look and see how does this go. I reconcile it after I've done the order as well, because sometimes maybe things just don't fit in the budget or I'm like, mm, nice to have, or mm, that price point isn't going to move. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'll take a modify and do tweaks or an item is sold out. Right. So sometimes that will happen too. And then I'll go back and look at all the different spreadsheets and say, okay, Hey, in this workbook, what do I have that I can pick and pull? Um, you just mentioned price point. Everyone's store, I mean, for Burt's, I think my magic number is $40. What is your magic number price point? 25. 25. What's your highest price point that you will max out at? A um, couple hundred dollars. And that's only fourth quarter, I'm assuming, or is that year round? Year round. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm like sitting here looking through my questions. Um, so most you're buying, you're doing, do you do, I know you do a lot of it um, through um, at night. Do you, how many shows do you attend or do you prefer ordering online or do you prefer going to shows? I wish I could go to shows more. It's just, honestly, my schedule doesn't allow for it. Um, if I do get to go to a show, it will be like, the one day in Vegas, you know, in and out, or if I'm going to, let's say Atlanta or something, it's literally out on a red eye back on a red eye. Um, Just because I don't have time. Yeah. You know, Um, but I do like to go to the shows to see if there's something new. Um, I really go to the shows though to uh, check quality because those are things that I can't tell from online. We just got back from Vegas. What was your favorite thing that you found in Vegas? I would say um, one, some of the items in the cash and carry section Mm -hmm. that don't have a showroom, right? Or I wouldn't, aren't readily available. We wouldn't know about. Uh, Say that. Um, And then I would say the second thing is just finding new lines. Ones that I've been looking and sourcing online, but then actually going there and seeing a whole collection or, oh my gosh, I could mix this with this and this and this. So functional. Shows to me are still like, I feel like I I can't buy everything online. It's just too, I don't know, even know how people like with fair, which is great. It's a great portal, but Mm -hmm. you can't smell the candle. You can't feel what the cream feels like or smells. I mean, for apparel, it's like, I've said this a couple of times, the apparel portals. I, I don't, I, after COVID, the pandemic, I will never shop online because everything, 90, 80% of the things I bought that weren't for vendors that I deal with were the hand on it was horrible or the sizing was like for five-year-olds for, I mean, it just, and some of those you can't return and it, you know, because I'm not in the store to find it like months later, it was like, Oh my God, I cannot believe this is what it feels and looks like. I'm like, never again. Yes. And we all have those doozies, you know, that like, Oh, that, that wasn't good. Oh God. I, 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 shudder at that whole pandemic shopping on fashion go oh my god (laughs) (laughs) um tell me about some of your favorite trends um i would say lifestyle things i like things that are simple yet serve a purpose like what's one of your favorites like do you have any examples 
I'm trying to think. Um, one of them would be like, let's say entertaining, tabletop and entertaining, specifically around charcuterie, right? It's something that is so functional, yet you can make it really simple or elaborate and make it, you know, super extravagant if you're doing a buffet or something for a large group. I love that. Um, who are some of your favorite retailers and why? Okay, so I would say um, Anthropology is one of my favorites. Um, I love how they curate the different collections, and it's always interesting. Even some of the architectural pieces that are in there. So that's one of my favorites. Another one is Restoration Hardware. Mm. Um, and not so much necessarily for the quality of the product, but I love how they completely revamp collections. You can always mix and match the things that you have, but I mean, they bring out entirely new, new, new collections, which I think is pretty cool. And I would say the last one is Nordstrom's for the customer service. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, you said they're opening a new Nordstrom's by you for the customer experience. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, so there were, there's an existing Nordstrom's and they're remodeling it. Um, but I was researching and, you know, some of the stores are going to be more for um, just pickup locations. Some they were actually reducing their footprint. Others, they're making it more so that you can go and pick up items that you've bought online. But other stores are making more experience. So they're bringing in like a spa type environment. So you could go there and actually get like a manicure, pedicure, or facial, right? In addition to having some product. So when you go there, it's more of an experience type place, one-stop mm -hmm. shop. And that's going to be close to you. That one's going to be in your area, Gilroy, right? Um, in Santa Clara. Okay. Yeah. Um, tell me, because you you talked about customer service as far as being your favorite thing of Nordstrom. Like, what is the epitome of customer service to you? I think, um, I mean, the first thing is the greeting that you get when you enter a place, right? I think it, it starts, when I think of customer service, I actually think it starts way before you even step inside of a place, Right. So it's just, is it clean, right? Um, can you find the hours of operation? So I always, you know, I always think it for whatever industry it is, it starts before a person actually may walk in, right? But then when you go in, are you, you know, is there a greeting? Is it so stuffy that, you know, you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm afraid to touch something here or cluttered, right? Um, <clears throat> and then, if you go to buy something, if it doesn't work, can you return it? Do they stand by their product? You know, mm. it's funny. Sometimes I'll go in because I just love to, to do a trial. I'll go in probably looking like I'm a homeless person um, and I'll go somewhere and it'll be, let's say, if, you know, I'm coming in and there's no makeup on, totally ragamuffin style and I'll walk into Chanel, right? <laughs> and it's funny to see the experience. Because it's like, when I look at, oh, hi. And they're kind of wondering, like, why are you in here? <laughs> right? And then it's like, oh, I'm specifically looking for this bag. And, you know, if they have great, okay, I'll buy it and leave. Or it's like, but then there's other times when you come in and, like, I actually am totally put together, right? And I'll go in. Just the difference in experience that someone may have. Yeah. I'm buying the same product or I'm buying nothing, right? But, like, you never know. Yeah. It, it's funny. You said that I look like a homeless person. <laughs> Years ago, Fred, okay, so Fred Siegel was my mm -hmm. mentor, and Fred was in the stores all the time, like all the time. And Fred had a houseman, Eddie, who was this sweet Chinese man that drove Fred everywhere. Fred, I don't 
I don't remember being in a car with Fred where he was driving. It was always Eddie. Okay. And Eddie prepared his meals. Eddie, you know, Ed, Eddie was his, like, Eddie did everything with Fred. So Eddie would drive. I think Eddie had this like beat down little VW bug and <laughs> Eddie would pull up in front of Fred Siegel in Santa Monica and Fred would get out and he'd always have his Fred Siegel canvas bags that had all his herbs and all of his things that he carried with them. And I remember one of my clients going, dude, did you see that like homeless guy out there? He's like, he's carrying Fred Siegel bags and everything. I'm like, um, that is Fred. Because <laughs> Fred was not a flashy guy. Fred wore like my, my old boss, Michael Campbell owned the store Fred Siegel Axis and we sold Axis menwear, menswear and Axis had a great pair of, I think there were silk, like, like sweatpants, just mm-hmm. like baggy silk pants and, he, and a t-shirt. And that's literally what Fred lived in was these Axis pants and like a V-neck or a Fred Siegel t-shirt or whatever. And Fred was like the most low key person. So I found it hilarious that, you know, a client who's spending thousands and thousands of dollars thought he was homeless. I'm like, ah, no, that's Fredo. <laughs> I think that as far as customer service, I think that that is a huge, um, you know, Nordstrom does such a good job because they don't look down at you Mm -hmm. when you walk in. It's like, first thing I thought about is like, when you went to, after we left Vegas, you went shopping at Caesars and the, the experience of walking in a Chanel store dressed in leggings, t-shirt, whatever, Mm -hmm. And the experience of walking in a Nordstrom's Chanel section in leggings, it's got to be a very different experience because Mm -hmm. those, the shop girls, as I always call them in the high-end stores have a very bad way of looking down their nose and like you get judged about what you're going to spend even before you walk into the store. Mm -hmm. And it's Nordstrom's does a very good job about, I guess, accepting everyone, no matter, not, not judging a book by its cover. Mm -hmm. It was really interesting because, you know, I had my wheelie suitcase, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So you were rolling with the wheelie and my bag, you know, and I went in there and just now, and at first, like, I didn't get any help at all. I had to actually ask someone (sighs) and the store was empty. Completely empty. That is even more infuriating. It's like, yes. We're in a pandemic. Shopping hasn't come back in certain areas, hundred percent, and yet there's no one in the store, and you have to go find somebody to help you. Yes, and I actually found the security guy was oh, the most helpful. Right? Wow! And so, and I made sure, like you know, that it wasn't by appointment only, because I don't know it, it changes all the time and by location. So I just said, "Listen, I don't have an appointment. Can I may I come in looking for a specific item?" And so he said, sure, no problem. Come on in. Here I am with my wheelie, right? Which, I mean, most of them are coming in with wheelie bags, but whatever. And so no, there wasn't anyone in there. No one would offer to help. People just look, kind of looked down. So I asked the girl, I said, excuse me, um, can I get some help when you have a minute? And she was like, oh, sure. Like, well, what do you need? So I said, I'm looking for this bag. Do you have it? And what colors do you have it in? I was very, you know, um, since I'm going to tell her what I was going in there for, and then um, she was like, oh, no, no, we're sold out company wide. There's just one, but we don't even have that anymore. And I'm like, oh, you mean the one that's in the glass case right there? Shut up. Yeah. That dismissive? 
Um, hello, then, Chanel Caesar's Palace. So <laughs> it's like, okay, like, you know, and then I asked, when will you be getting the new bags for the next collection? Because I'm curious, you know, I want this specific bag, but I'm looking in more neutral colors. The bag that they had, it was a shocking pink with um, um, sh- like Sherpa style. And I'm all oh, that's so but, you. Yeah. Homeless <laughs> <laughs> yeah. with the wheelie and the shocking pink Sherpa. Um, but anyway, so it's just interesting. You know, that's a premium brand, in my opinion, right? Yeah. And so I just would have thought that it would have been a different experience. Yeah. I, I think if there's anybody that takes anything away from this interview, it's like, <laughs> please, God. Like, I mean, I've always said the customer service experience is key to both building your loyalty and building your brand. And mm-hmm. I often wonder how often those high, high end stores get secret shopped and hear about secret shop, let alone by somebody that looks like an average person just walking in shopping, like how often that actually happens and they address some of the customer services, because it's like, I mean, I'll admit when I, we had our stores at Fred Siegel, there were times where you're looking down at people like, and, and it's like, I literally is more when I got out of it was where you're like, what are you thinking? Like you literally, you're a shop girl, meaning me, the people that are walking into your store make 10 times more than you make. And you're acting like that. Like it's, and it's a phenomenon. I'm not quite sure where it comes from. If it's, if it's age, if it's ego, if it's, I think my case, it was, I thought I was all that in a Big Mac. Um, and it's like, in reality, you're there to serve customers and to give them an amazing customer experience. And it's always shocking, like when I, especially like a brand like Chanel, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just interesting. You know, I, I think, you know, I always kind of look at it like, don't take yourself so seriously, right? Because everybody has a story. And you never know, like maybe someone's best day could be your worst day, right? Like you just never know. And so it's always have the compassion and like kindness, right? Yeah. We're in a pandemic, you know, here I have a primary job, yet I'm hustling $30 cans of paint, (laughs) right? For the customer experience. And that's just what you do, you know? Yeah. Uh, It's, it's, I think more people can certainly learn a thing more too about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you sell apparel and gifts, which is your favorite to buy? Um, I would say my favorite probably is gifts, um, for two reasons. One, I think there's such just a broad selection in which you can buy. And two, maybe it's more, I'm more comfortable buying that. Mm -hmm. However, like I have a ton of fun buying apparel too. Um, and you know, sometimes I'll, but I think that, for my you know customer base, it's 25 to, let's say, probably 70 in terms of age and evenly dispersed. So that's a broad group that you have to buy for. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's challenging. So I do like buying for apparel, too. I think it's just more comforting and gifts. Um, uh, I totally just went blank. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, what, which, what are some of your favorite, um, gift brands that you have now? And, and the other question, that's why I was thinking is like, what is your favorite concepted area that you've been buying for as of recently? Um, 
Well, definitely, I would say the pantry section. That's my favorite. Yeah, that is, I have to say, like, one of my favorites. Um, Just because I love what it stands for, right? It's like, the you know community the kitchen if you think of a, of a home right where's one place that if you have people over everyone congregates around is the kitchen or some of the best experiences or conversations are over you know a beverage or sitting at a dinner table right and so I just love what it stands for and I think that it's it's so fun because there's so many things you can do from someone who maybe isn't really a cook down to someone who loves to cook right you're covering everything in between you know, it's not hard to put out some crackers and put top it out in a bowl. <laughs> I I, la- I mean, your pantry, I think that's my favorite right now as well is mm-hmm. just, well, one, it's so great. Cause I think when I first started you, I don't think you had any no. last, last fall. So in the spring, you brought in Bella Cucina and Los Poblanos. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of grown. You've got truff sauce now. Mm-hmm. You've got, um, well, you, you always said you had sober dough. I've had sober dough for the um, holiday time. Okay. So I would say definitely over the past year, uh, that Nick Vahe line coming in, that wow. I'm excited about. So, you know, I want to find things that you can't normally find anywhere else. Things that are much more craft batch, you know, supporting your favorite the local. Line so far right now in, in your pantry section? Um. I really love the truff pasta sauces. Those are really good. I love some of the Bella Cucina pestos in there as well. And then I love the local honeys. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, was it you that I, cause I got the lemon artichoke, um, mm-hmm. Bella Cucina. Um, I finally made that warm dip with it. Oh, yes. Did you God. like it? To die. Like, it's, I, I, I mean, I sold Bella Cucina when I had my stores at Fred Siegel called Fred Siegel Environment okay. and I sold Bella Cucina back then. And it's always been just this beautiful culinary line. I mean, it's just visually gorgeous, mm-hmm. all of it. And it's so much fun to merchandise it and like, you know, show it with, you know, you do all these beautiful faux vegetables and fruits. And it's like, it's so much fun to to set displays with it and serendipity sells it as well. And we do hers with fresh cut herbs and it just, oh, there's yeah. something about that line that is just so beautiful. And truff now is I've become one of my favorites. Cause I mean, if no one's tried the truff sauce or the truff hot sauces, Oh my God, to die. Mm-hmm. Like I love, I still, I'm still afraid to open up my pasta sauce because I don't, <laughs> don't want to. Oh, eat. it is so good. <laughs> it is so good. Um, where, how do you, cause you have a lot of balls in the air. You also have a farm that you're developing that we haven't really talked about. Um, the farm is being developed for talk a little bit about what you're doing with the farm. Yes. So the farm started off as a entirely separate project. It's about 20 acres. Um, as you saw, it's not all flat space. So it was quite a, an overwhelming project, I would say that when we first took it on, right? Um, it's very hilly, et cetera. And so to kind of break it down into like tangible products or projects of things you could do, since it was just this huge overgrown, I don't know. It's so thing. beautiful. It's pretty. And it's it just, you know, the natural landscape or whatnot. So we started off with the lavender. And so we've got thousands of plants out in, and we're expanding that now. 
um, as well. And we kind of broke it down for the lavender from the English, Spanish, and the French. So we have all different types. Do you have any plans for to for developing something with the lavender? Absolutely. Yeah. So we were growing. Um, now the plants are going on the third year. So they're actually getting quite large in size. We do the pruning. To be honest, I just don't have time. <laughs> really? <laughs> when we, you know, when I, I don't see know all why. the cuttings and everything, I'm like, oh my God, there's so much I could do with it. Um, you know, from doing the lavender oil or all of that. But um, so definitely have plans for it just in due time. And then, um, so we start off with lavender, then we've expanded into grapes. So we have about, I'd say three and a half acres now um, where we have the vines. And so that's doing really well. Um, Primarily reds. So. And other people are, are tending these plants, right? Or is this you and Tom are, are tending all these plants? No, no, it's, it's definitely a group effort. So we do a lot of it. Um, and then we also have help as well. So, which now I have to ask, like with all of these balls you have going on, mm-hmm. like how, how do you find balance? And I know I've asked you this before, but how do you find that calmness and stillness? You may not need it, but how, how do you find that balance? Because you go at such a rate, it's it's dizzying to see how much you have doing. And it's, I always think about, you know, how, where do you find that calmness or maybe you don't need it? Um, no, I, do. I would say, I mean, my, I think the pace at which I go and the schedule at which I operate, I'm sure it's probably not healthy. Right. And it's definitely not for all. Right. I totally appreciate that. Um, it's just for me, it's who I am. It's in my DNA. Right. Um, I say, you know, I really enjoy what I do. I like the diversity in what I do, right? Um, I would say I identify and I embrace my areas of weakness or where I would need to develop, right? And I compensate accordingly for those. So I know, you know, if I, when I need to get help. Um, and then honestly, I'm just thankful for life's blessings. I love that. Yeah, do you know? Do you, ha- do you ever hit a wall? And do- when you do, what does it look like? I do. Um, and sometimes it's just, sometimes, you know, a lot can happen all at once. And it's not necessarily all bad, but it's just overwhelming. Or, you know, then you do have things where you think, okay, I've got this dialed. And at the drop of a dime, everything falls to pieces, right? And so when it, in those moments, it's like, okay, I have to take a deep breath. I regroup. I'm human like anyone else, you know, so I think like, oh my God, what a shit show this is, you know, (laughs) but then immediately I have to go into action mode. Like, okay, how am I going to correct this? How am I going to resolve this? How am I going to pivot and do something different? What does it look like? Do I need to clear the decks to allocate time for this? Like how much of a priority and what's the burning issue? Do you take vacations? And what I is, love to take vacation. And what does vacation look like? Are you working on vacation? <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what the definition of working is. <laughs> uh, you, you know, shopping catalogs from your yes. side cha- chase. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my tote bag of, you know, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, has my computer. So I'm only a click away. Um, it's funny because I always say in order to really feel like I get away, it's somewhere that I can't 
drive back to in like a pinch, right? So if I go to this is Southern California or something, you know, there's enough distance. It's like a six hour car or flight away, a one hour flight, you know? So it's like, I'm just, oh, okay, I'm here. I'll go drop in. Uh, I love the tropical, just relaxing vacations. I think one of the um, favorite ones we did was the South of France. Mm. When it was just awesome. It was you know, two weeks and we didn't have everything planned out. We just kind of bumbled along and went ex- exploring other places. It was just so fabulous. The, the non-planning thing must have been freeing and also <laughs> oh scary at the same time. <laughs> I'm a planner, so I'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> yes, you know, Michelle. So it's so funny. So I, I don't, I'm so detail oriented. I want to know exactly like where we're saying when we're saying Tom is the complete opposite. Oh, we'll just figure it out. We'll drive around and find places. I think that brought on more anxiety than the actual of it. Uh, um, and so it would be funny because, you know, I, I always want to have everything so detailed and he'll be like, Rain Man, calm down. 2001, 2002, 2003. <laughs> like, it's okay, Rain Man. <laughs> and it just brings humor, right? So you have to laugh. At the end of the day, it's just like, oh my God, just just go with the flow. So I did it as best I could, right? But I have to say, there was always this little bit of anxiety inside, like, oh my God. So I have to tell you, it was hilarious. We went to... Um, a Fiat car and we're at one of the tolls and we didn't realize that it was only coins. We think we can use the car, but I mean, total ignorance or idiots on our side. Right. And we're there and he's driving and he's like, Oh, do you have any change? Use the card. What are you talking about? Use the card. The other one, it doesn't take it. Well, now we have a whole line behind us. People are honking, getting out of the car, screaming, yelling. Oh my God, it was so traumatizing. Fine, we're pushing the help button. And so after that point, let me tell you, we had a bag of coins. And we would pull up to the thing and we would just start throwing like God knows how much it actually costs to like go through the toll or how much we were really throwing in there. We just to never have that experience. Yes. We would just literally open the Ziploc and start throwing in the money. <laughs> I I think I told you this, like when Dave and I first started dating, he's like Mr. Surfer, lackadaical, no plan, just go with the flow. And our first vacation, we're going to Costa Rica and I'm a planner as well. And I'm like, where are we staying? I don't know. We'll just get there. I'm all, what do you mean? We don't know. And he's like, we'll just find a, a place. I'm like, what do you mean? We'll just find a place. Like, what if we're in a place that we don't have, where there's not, we'll find a place. It's not a big deal. And I was like the entire trip more consumed with like where we were staying yeah. or where, or will we have, but I now, you know, we've been together 12 years now when we travel, I kind of trust that just kind of, I mean, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the last trip to Costa Rica I planned and it was like, <laughs> we're not staying in little cabinas, like little surf shacks. We stayed at this full eco resort, but I, I, I have learned to go with the flow more now and actually kind of enjoy it. There, there's still a slight bit of anxiety of, of just <laughs> knowing you're not, you're like in a nicer place. You're not like in like, you know, 
<laughs> a rundown Motel 6. Like, <laughs> yes. But there is something about like not having a plan and not having an agenda and just literally going with the flow and, and sort of kind of getting lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I would say it's one that, I mean, it's a trip that we did like no other in many different aspects, but it was also one of the best trips. I love that. I, mm-hmm. I, I, that's what I kind of like hope to do when everything's said and done with this fucking COVID pandemic <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> like the, the, the COVID pandemic that you thought was going to end like in two weeks, a year and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still ongoing. <laughs> it's like, just keep going. Oh my God. Yes. Um, where do you find inspiration? I find it everywhere, honestly. Um, I mean, even the grocery store. Those are one of my favorite places. Yeah. Yeah, I find it everywhere. Do you like go through magazines? Do you find it in, like, like tell me some of like some examples of along with the grocery store? Yeah, I mean, I find it if I'm in uh, other boutiques, for example, I love to see how other what is it, maybe curate different collections. Um, I'm huge on Pinterest. Um, I can go down that rabbit hole Pinterest so easily. Oh, yeah, so right. easily. Also, I'm like, what was I originally looking for? I mean, <laughs> it's like two hours ago. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, where do you find, where do you see Masane in 10 years? I hope that, um, that we just continue to further evolve, you know, having the, um, the lavender field. You know, if I had my wishes, I would say there's a number of different projects that we have going on and I'd just love to marry them all together. Love that. Do you see multiple locations in its future? Uh, yeah, we could. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my last question is any advice for someone thinking of starting a retail space as a side hustle? I would say um, be savvy and don't let your ego get in the way. Right. Um, it's money comes, money goes. Right. So it, it's just how it is. And I would say the one thing that you don't get back is time, right? So enjoy and embrace the time that you have. And if you need to reach out for help, there's many, you know, there's experienced retail consultants like MC Plan Collaboration, right? (laughs) Reach out for help. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I, I mean, like I said, I this is my first client interview and it's like, I know so much about you and, but it's, I've wanted to tell your story since literally probably the second visit I had with you. Cause I just, I find you incredibly inspirational. And I, like I said, like you're, you're one of my favorites and your store is certainly one of my favorites. So. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. I love it. that is a wrap. Thank you all so much for joining me on today's episode. I really appreciate it. And be sure to tune in every Wednesday for more stories and lessons from a life in retail. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Retail Horror Podcast. And you can find us online at theretailwhorepodcast.com. 